0: We're in our last uh, lesson in this series, considering Jesus again, just looking at him and what he means to us and what that means for us, what that means when other people see us, just how to interact with each other and, and interact with people in the world and say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. And a lot of times that's not done with words, sometimes it's done with actions and you get to words. Sometimes it's done with words first and then you get to some action. You know, it's, it's always different. Every time you meet somebody, every time you get into a situation, it could be a little bit different. But there's always a, a similarity in every incident, a similarity in every meeting, is that you are Christ's, he is yours, and therefore, this is how we live. And today, um, Craig read for you that, that big chapter, or big part of that chapter, Ephesians 1, first 14 verses. Keep your finger there if you would in your Bible if you got it with you because I'm going to ask you some questions again like I have in the past these past 3 lessons that I want your your answers on so keep that section of scripture in mind and close to your finger there so you can get back to it when we get there. As what is one of the questions or what's the the first lesson was an important question the lesson of this the title of this lesson is another important question. And the first important question was what? Does anybody remember? What did you say? I still couldn't hear you, Frank. I'm sorry. You were asleep? Oh. (laughs) At least you're honest, Frank. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Who is Jesus? Yeah. It it extends from the question that Jesus asked. His disciples, who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? An important question for you and for me and for the rest of the world is, who is Jesus? That's an important question. Another important question, the one we're going to end on, because I alluded to it in the first lesson, was if Jesus says, this is who I am, and he's asking you to say who he is, then who does Jesus say you are once you are in him? The other important question is, after I've said Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God, I believe in Him. Now, who does Jesus say that I am? What does that make me? What does that make you? Because Jesus says, I am this, and if you're in me, then you're this. That's what we're going to look at today. And since you've got your fingers there in Ephesians, keep it there. But go over to Matthew chapter 16 and look at part of that discussion that Jesus has, Matthew 16, 18 through 19 there. But actually, let's back up a little. <clears throat> In 13 is where he starts this discussion. And he asks the disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And he wants to kind of feel out the, the answers here and get to the truth. I like the way Jesus does that. He asks a question and, he, and he's going to drill down to something that's very important. Who do men say that I am there? Verse 13, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. All this public opinion out there, this is, this is who he is. This is who the Son of Man is. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? He goes from a very general question to what do others think to now, okay, so now what do you think? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood do not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see how Peter answers this question. you see what Jesus says, you're Peter. But you're also this this rock too, this this bigger rock. There's there's a there's a change of of, of name here for Peter, and there's also a a, a a thing that Jesus is telling Peter, and and subsequently I think the rest of the disciples and us today, when you make this confession, you name me, and then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to name you. I'm going to make you something more than you are, something more than you could ever be. Because you're in me. And and part of the naming process, I think, I love the fact that he gives me a name because I know what my name was before him. I know who I was before him. And we even talked a little bit about it last week because I've been struggling with some things in my past and last week it was really bothering me. And some of the, the some of the stuff for this week is still, you know, it's it, it really speaks to my last week frame of mind too, because I know I'm not that man anymore. I know I'm not, not that person anymore. But sometimes that, that past does creep in and beat you up, right? But what does Jesus really see me, see me as? Who am I really? I'm not that person. I am a different person entirely because I'm in Christ. I'm a different person entirely. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul reminds these people too that you're a different people entirely than you were to begin with. You might remember the past. It might beat the snot out of you every once in a while, but it is not who you are. It is not what you are anymore. 1 Corinthians 6, back there in verse 9, he's, he's, not, he's, he's talking about you know, lawsuits and taking each other to court there at the beginning of that chapter. And how wrong it is that, that, that you're, you're beating each other up here. And in verse 9 he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And here's where you get down to the, you have a new place, a new name. And such were some of you. Such a powerful statement there. You were Some of you were this. But what are you now washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God? You have a brand new identity in Christ, a brand new. The, the, another important question is, if I say Jesus is Christ, the son of the living God, who does he say I am? Well, he says, Robert, you're not a drunkard anymore. You're not a reviler. You're not this anymore. You are now a child of God. You've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. Yes, you have that past, but that's not you. You're in my son. He's in you. You have his heart, he has yours. You're a different person. You're no longer the same. And I think that that's that's beautiful because if we have the courage to name Jesus, then he has the courage and he has the, the desire to name us. Go over to John 15 and look at what, what he says about his disciples. If we name him, I believe he names us. He says, yes, he's mine. John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. He's calling his disciples here friends. I'm making these things known to you. There's a different relationship here. There's a, there's a relationship between you and me. And relationships are mutually generous, right? One side of relationships stink. You've probably had those in your life. They don't last very long either, do they? They need to be mutually generous. We need to be able to to interact with each other and give to each other and receive and, and, and feed off of each other and love each other. Jesus is saying, I'm going to have this mutually generous relationship with you. In fact, go over to Hebrews chapter 2 and look at another statement of that generous mutual relationship that he has with us. <clears throat> Talking about Jesus again, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which, he is not, for which reason he is not ashamed to what? What does your text say? He's not ashamed to Does everybody's Bible end at that point? Call them brethren. brethren. Okay. Thank you. Call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to say, I know them. I know who they are. We've talked about it many times before about Matthew 7 where he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Like that, that Jesus needs to know us. Yes, he knows us, but he needs to really know us. Knowing us means I know, I know him. I have his heart and he has mine. That's part of that, that song that, that I wanted to have played every time here, that, that oceans one. I am yours and you are mine. That, I, I, I'm in trouble. There's trouble in the world, but I'm yours. You're mine. We're in this together. You're going to see me through this. You're going to call me a brother. You're going to call me a sister because I know you and you know me. And I think when we narrow our focus here and we pay attention, excuse me, better to Jesus, we, when we invite him into our everyday lives and our everyday activities, then he gets to identify who I am. Amen. I no longer get to identify who I am. He identifies who I am. He reminds me, even when I, when I forget, he reminds me, Robert, you're a child of God. You're a son of the king. You're not that man anymore. I was reading a person and I liked what they said, they said this, how are you going to know the truth of your being unless somebody tells you what the truth of your being is? And that somebody we trust to tell us the truth of our being had better be Jesus. How are you going to know who you are unless somebody tells you who you are? Well, I don't want anybody else telling me who I am except Jesus. That's the only person's opinion that matters to me, Jesus Christ. When I I read that quote, it reminded me of Romans 8. That's a beautiful chapter in Romans 8, isn't it? Towards the end of that chapter where he's saying, you are this, you are this, you are this. In fact, go over there really quick. Romans 8, that beautiful chapter after Romans 7 where you're struggling so much, the old man under that law, and then boom, a new person. Especially in, in the last part of that chapter, 31 to the end of that chapter. Yeah. Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect, 33? Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus died. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? And all of this stuff that, that says, you are a new person. You're not going to be separated from his love. You, you, you don't have to worry about the charges that Satan's going to spew against you because God's going to look at you and say, no, he's been washed by the blood of my son. Yeah, that was in his past, but that's taken care of by my son's blood. He's done with that. All these things, in verse 37, admitted, and all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. Beautiful. And tell me tell me what the psalmist describes you and I as. What are we? How are we made? Fearfully and wonderfully made. We are special people to God. I love that. I love that we are special people to God. I love that he wants this relationship with us. I love that Jesus wants this relationship with us. That the creator of the world comes down and wants to interact with us, wants to show us the Father, wants to show us himself, wants to die on the cross for our sins. That's the true me and you. And that's where we get back to Ephesians chapter 1. So if you had your fingers there in Ephesians 1, flip back over there, because my question for you today that I want to I hear your answers on is, I'm going I'm to hearken back to one of the, one of the techniques I, I think it was the second lesson where I said, We'd ask the the Oprah question, remember? What's one thing I know for certain? How she asks those people, what's one thing I know for certain? In Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 14, tell me one thing you know for certain about you in Christ. What does that chapter say, this is me in Christ? What are you? Blessed. Blessed. Tom says he's blessed. Chosen. Chosen. Redeemed. Anybody else? Holy. Holy. Forgiven. Forgiven. Without blame. Without blame. Loved. What, I'm sorry. Loved. Loved. Yes. Anybody else? What else are you? One thing you know for certain, you could tell me. This is me in Christ. Say that again. Adopted. Adopted. Yes. Adopted. Mm. United. United. Saved. Saved. Yes. We're indwelled too. I love the fact that we're indwelled. Talking about the Holy Spirit there. He's, He's given that spirit as a pledge of inheritance. Man. We have that proof of purchase from God freed from sin hmm. that's see, when, when i have those troubles when i when i remember those things and, and i'm out there in the world i need to remember this chapter i need to remember a lot more but but let's just take these 14 verses and, and say okay who am i i've said jesus christ is lord now who does he say i am he says what you said he says you're chosen he says you're blessed he says you're holy he says you've been redeemed. He says you're you're loved. All of these things. You're indwelled by my Spirit. This is the proof of purchase. I have purchased you. You're mine. Go over to chapter two of that that chapter or that book too. Chapter two, verse six. Here's another thing that we are raised up with Him, seated in the heavenly places in Christ. It gets so muddy down here. It gets so disgusting down here that I forget. My true place is in heaven with him. He seated me in the heavenly places, and that seating began when I took him as my Savior. And I think knowing him allows me to reflect him better. Because if I don't know my Savior, then I can't reflect my Savior. If I don't know who Jesus is, then when people look at me, they don't see Jesus, they see me. And I want people to see Jesus when they see me. Just like Jesus wanted people to see the Father through Him. So I'm going to leave this, this series here with a couple of things that, that I'm going to try and do. And maybe you can try and do as we engage people in the world. As we, as we go out there and we, we try to look more like Christ to people that we meet. Family, friends, the guy on the corner. Here's something I want you to try. I want you to, to learn to engage others maybe a little bit differently. Because paying attention to Jesus to understand his heart more deeply is what we need to do. And we hopefully translate that understanding of Jesus' heart into our attention to other people around us. Jesus paid attention to people around him. I'm, I'm sometimes guilty of not paying attention to people around me. I need to pay more attention to people around me. Like Jesus paid attention to people around them. And I want to go back again to that Oprah question really quickly. What's one thing you know for sure? If, if I'm engaged in a, in a conversation with Carl and I walk away from that conversation, I should have at least one thing that I know for sure that Carl, Carl's heart is, is, is talking about. My conversation with Carl needs to lead to the heart. We need to be seeking the heart of Jesus. But when I'm engaging a person, there's some heart in that conversation. And for example, if you meet somebody and you hear them talking about troubles and problems, maybe that heart is, is telling you, I need help. Maybe that heart, heart's telling you, I do need Jesus. Maybe that heart just, is just saying, I'm hurting, I need some help. But instead, I'm not listening, I'm just creating some conversation here, or it's just passing by. I'm not really paying attention to the heart of that matter. That conversation needs to be geared towards the heart. So, when we hear people talking, what is their heart really saying? Not what their mouth is saying, but what's the heart of that that and you know, sometimes that's that's hard for me to decipher because you know i'm I'm a guy, and feelings don't come naturally and It's hard to tell the heart sometimes i'm I'm surface level a lot of times when I talk to people in in out and about hi, how you doing?" That's an easy question, and sometimes people don't even really want the answer to it, right even here. Sometimes we meet each other and say, hi, how you doing? And it's just, hi, how you doing? It's not really, I really want to know how you're doing. It's just a standard greeting. And you give the standard answer, fine, okay. And then I say, great, and then we move on. And we've had our interaction, and we're done. But even this morning, Bill engaged my heart this morning because when he he talked to me, he said, what have you been studying this week? Which, which is a different way of asking me, hi, how you doing? He's asking me, what are you doing to better yourself? How are you getting more into the Word of God? How is Jesus touching your life more this week? Tell me about you. That was a deeper question than just, hi, how you doing? And I think that's that's kind of the questions I think we need to ask. In fact, maybe we could even practice on each other here. Instead of saying, hi, how are you doing, say, hey, Tom, how's your prayer week going or how's your prayer life going this week tom how are you doing or what what one thing happened to you this week that drove you to pray more something that 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 may be getting to the heart of the matter because see bill knows that 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 i study bill knows and we've we've talked so he knows questions to ask me that get to the heart of me so if we know each other we're going to be able to ask questions to get to the heart of each other if i know you're struggling with something i know what to ask If I know you're hurting, I know what to ask. But I can't just ask surface-level questions and get to the heart of the matter. Jesus was never guilty, I think, of asking surface-level questions. He got straight to the heart of the matter. Who do people say that I am? Okay, now who do you say that I am? All the time. Back in John chapter 1, when when disciples or soon-to-be disciples are following Jesus... He doesn't even wait for them to ask a question. He turns around and says, what do you seek? A lot of times, Jesus doesn't even wait for the, for the conversation. He's already saying, I need to know where your heart's at here. I want to see where your heart is at. Is your heart where mine heart is? He's asking them to be on that same page with them. And I, I think he follows up many questions, many, many statements in here with heart questions. So I want to go from how was your day, especially to people here, how was your day, how was your week, to... How was your week in your studies? How was, what, what did you study this week that got you closer to Christ? And in the world, we may have to start with, how was your day? But then we get to listen to the heart. And then we follow up with that heart answer. I hear you're, you're maybe hurting here. What can I do to help? Yeah, listening to the heart of the matter I think engaging people in, the, in, in this, this question, because you and I both had an identity crisis at some point in our life. Maybe you, maybe you remember yours. I remember mine. Who am I going to be? Am I going to be in the world or am I going to be in Christ? Everybody's got an identity crisis. We look in the mirror every morning and, and we see something. I don't know. And we'll, we'll, we'll postpone the mirror appearance to after you wake up and get all, all nice and gussied up because that first appearance in the mirror is never good, usually. But even, even if you've got your best clothes on, you've got all your makeup on and all that, and you look in the mirror, who do you really see? Who's staring back at you? Sometimes the world tells you who's staring back at you. And the world would be happy to tell you who's staring back at you. And the world will tell you if you don't tell... Yourself, who's staring back at you. I'll be more than happy to do that. We need to ask some simple questions to unlock the heart because I think people in this world are, are hurting just like we were and sometimes we still are when we look in that mirror and we say, I'm going to let something else define me rather than Jesus Christ. If he's not telling me who I am, then I'm looking in that mirror and I'm seeing myself defined by the world, I'm seeing myself defined by by my expectations or others' expectations or other things, and I'm not seeing a true reflection of myself. And and last week, I was struggling with a true reflection of myself. Who am I? I hurt. I remember. That's not me. I don't want to struggle with that true reflection. I know who I am in Christ. But people in the world that we meet are struggling with that question. They look at that mirror and they say, I don't know who I am. I've got all this pain in my past. I've got all this hurt in my past. It defines me. It doesn't have to. You can be defined by Jesus Christ. He will tell you who you are. I think uh, engaging people excuse me and encouraging people uh, like that helps counter that warped picture that people have in their lives. When people or when Jesus is saying, I want you to tell me who I am. That important question, who is Jesus? And then he turns around and he says, okay, now this is who you are. He's telling us that so that we stop defining ourselves by the world, by our sins, by our failures. He's telling us that so that we can have a true picture of him. And what he projects is the true picture of the Father. And we have the true picture of what we should be and what we're called to be and what we can be through Christ. My next question for you today is is what are some of the distorted mirrors that you see in this world? They're all over the place. Maybe it's maybe it's one that you struggle with in your life, but what's a distorted mirror in this world that we need to be on the lookout for? Jeff? What you have is what you're worth. What you have is what you're worth. Yeah. You're only yeah. You are what you what you have. Possessions, materialism, that could definitely be a distorted mirror that can destroy lives. Anybody else? Only loved if you're beautiful. Yeah, that can definitely destroy lives. A heart that's been broken. Yeah, a heart that's been broken. Oh, yeah. Christ is the answer to all these broken mirrors. Yeah. He's the answer to materialism. He's the answer to, I can only be loved if I'm beautiful. He's the answer to the broken heart. He's the answer to all those broken mirrors out there. And there's tons of them to choose from. There's tons of mirrors that will say, this is who you are. But the warped mirror is lying to us. Because when we say Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, he turns around and he says, you are washed, you're justified, you're sanctified. You're a different person. You're in me. I'm in you. You are a child of the one true king. And Jesus came to set the captive free, to break the bonds of sin there. We get to reflect that man who set us free. Think about this last week here, about your reflection. Because every time you go outside, you, you cast that reflection to other people. What have you been reflecting this week? Would people look at you and say, yeah, that looks like... Somebody different to me. That looks maybe they don't pin it right to Jesus right away, but that's somebody who cares. That's somebody who who's interested in me. The reflection that you cast this week, I don't. Know, it's it's an interesting question to to ask. Did you did you cast Jesus this week? I think that I'm not sure I did this week. I had a better week than last week. I told Bill that this morning when he asked me. But you know, I'm, I'm still, every once in a while I struggle. So if I were to answer that question honestly, people that met me in, in the stores and things like that, and they may have not seen Jesus because I was busy. I was moving. I was shaking. I was in and out. I didn't spend time. I didn't, I didn't look to engage anybody this week. I didn't even look for any opportunities this week. I was thinking about that Saturday. I wasn't looking for any opportunities this week. Didn't even pray for it this week. To my shame. So my reflection this week, or this past week, was probably not as good as it could have been. My reflection this week will be much better. Reminding myself who, whose I am. And offering that belief to the world. I think that's what I do when I, when I live the life that I'm supposed to live. I, I am offering a reflection of a person who's been redeemed. And I think our world is, is thirsty for that. I think our world wants that. I I read something else about a guy comparing, um, what was it, the Nemo. Um, living like this is like the movie Finding Nemo. And I thought, uh, that's kind of interesting. Living a life that, that reflects Jesus Christ is like the movie Finding Nemo. Because the, the purpose of that movie is to to help that little guy get home and find his dad, right? What other purpose do we have than to bring glory to God by showing others this is your real home, this is your real father? Let's let's let, let me introduce you to him. Let me introduce you to the father. That same person, when I was reading on down, said, "What if people meet us and they feel like they have just met heaven?" That'd be a nice way to describe it. I just met you. You're amazing. I just met you. You're so kind. That's not me. It's Jesus in me. The first important question is, who, did you, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? second important question, another one is, now that you've said that, this is who you are. This is the true reflection of yourself. A child in me that's been redeemed, that's been washed, that's been justified and sanctified. And now you get to reflect my image to other people. You get to show them my heart through your heart. You get to show them my actions through your actions. I I, I, I like songs, and, and I like these, um, a lot of the Christian songs out there. There, there's, there were some really good ones. I can't remember the title. Of this. I got the words now, so I didn't mess it up again, because I often mess it up when I say... When I say I like songs and I think, oh, I'll talk about that in the sermon. And then I forget to write down the lyrics. And then I can't remember them when I'm standing up here. (laughs) So I wrote them down this time. I got them. This one one reminded me so much of of a reflection that we cast. And then sometimes my problems, your problems maybe in in remembering who, who we are in Christ. It says, hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that won 't let you forget, hello, my name is defeat. I know you recognize me just when you think you can win i 'll drag you back down again till you 've lost all belief. Oh, these are the voices or these are the lies, and I have believed them for the very last time. Hello, my name is or my name is child of the one true king i 've been saved i 've been changed i 've been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is the child of the one true king. I'm no longer defined by all the wreckage behind. The one who makes all things new has proven it's true. Just take a look at my life. What love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called his children. I am the child of the one true king. I like that song. It's, it reminds me. Yeah. I got a past. Yeah, I made mistakes. But I'm a child of the one true king. I've been washed. I've been set free. That's the true mirror picture of me. That's who Jesus says I am when I say, you are the son of the living God. You are Christ. And he turns around and he says, this is who you are. Now live it. That's the challenge for me and you. To tell people that, to let them see Jesus, to consider him again through us, through you and I on a daily basis. That important question, who is Jesus and who do you say that I am and now who does he say that you are? So who are you people? Are you children of the one true king? No? (laughs) Doesn't sound like it. Does anybody have a cricket sound effect on their phone? Because I'll, I'll ask that again. And then you can play that sound effect. Are you a child of the one true king? Amen. Well, why do we have to do that twice? <laughs> Practice. I am the child of the one true king. And so are you. If you've been washed in his blood, you are a different person. We are in his heart. He has ours. We have his. And I get to reflect the true image of me that is the image of him that is being transformed and, con- and conformed to his will and transformed in him every single day, looking newer and newer every day as a child of, of the son of the living God. If that's not you today, you can be a child of the one true king. You can be washed in him, sanctified in, in him and justified in him. You can do all of that. And you can start reflecting the true image of yourself and stop being defined by the warped mirrors that are out there and start reflecting the real image of your king and your savior. So I'm going to ask you to do that this week as we close this lesson out. We get to start going into the fruit of the spirit. I want you to reflect and I am going to reflect my savior this week so that when people see me, when people see you, they're going to see Christ. They're going to hear Christ. They're going to experience Christ. Because they're going to experience people who have the heart of Jesus. And He has theirs. Do that this week as we stand and as we sing. Mm